2: A routine morning for Wyoming prison nurse
0: Tammy Watts goes terribly wrong. He laid in wait for her. He slipped in behind her, and then he attacked her.
2: But at the Honor Farm, slayers and sex offenders are a dime a dozen. Everybody's a suspect.
4: They were on the grounds, so it was a race to find out who... The most menacing men are a
2: drug-dealing dopehead a sex-starved stalker, and a cocky crook. But then, some lurid love letters turn up.
5: I asked her, are they sexual? And she says, yeah. She's they're really bad.
2: But who hated Tammy beyond words? How well do you know your neighbors? What lies behind the white picket fences? taking its claim in the heart of Wyoming. The historic town of Riverton is known as the Rendezvous City. Since cowboys roamed the range, this charming Crossroads community has been roping in every passerby.
6: Settlers flocked to the area with the promise of irrigated farmland. People got off the train and drew their lot and went and pitched a tent on the land.
2: And even today, the locals enjoy the simple leisures of living under the great Wyoming sky.
6: They're not in their offices, they're not in their schools, they're not in their homes, they're down at the fairgrounds rubbing shoulders and eating bacon-wrapped, deep-fried
2: Twinkies together. It's a down-home kind of place that's just right for 39-year-old country gal, Tammy Watts. This local girl doesn't just take advantage of the scenery, she lassos one of the coolest cowboys on the range, Lee Watts. And Tammy's mother, Linda, couldn't be happier.
5: She went with him for about a year, year and a half, before they got married. Tammy was only 16, but there was no breaking up with those two. (laughs) They really loved each other, and it showed.
2: A few years and four kids later, Tammy adores her family. But this mom still wants a little more out of life.
5: She went back and got her GED, and then she went on to the college here in Riverton. And she went into nursing. She did very well. She always wanted to be a nurse like mommy.
2: But Tammy decides to add a little twist to her career. She takes a nursing position at the Honor Farm, a prison gig that involves tending to bad guys of all shapes and sizes.
5: I was kind of worried about her working there. She assured me that it was safe, there are security guards in place.
2: It's a risky move, but Tammy has no problems making it. With a happy home and great job, this Wyoming couldn't feel more secure in her life. But Tammy's passion for helping ailing inmates is about to turn into her very own death sentence. Riverton, Wyoming police officer, Larry Prince, doesn't need the royal treatment. He's as happy as a rodeo clown in this western paradise. Yeah, I've been living in Riverton most of my life. I think
6: my favorite part of the area would be in the valley, with the mountains around us.
2: And throughout his 15-year tenure, Officer Prince has seen his share of both peaks and valleys. You
6: encounter so many different types of calls. It runs the gamut from barking dogs to
2: your very serious type of calls. And just before 7 in the morning on April 15, 2004, Officer Prince gets a call he won't soon forget. And it isn't about a cat stuck in a tree. After a long night shift, he's looking forward to breakfast. But this morning, he'll have to let his stomach
6: rumble. I was advised that a body had been found at the honor farm. When it comes in a couple minutes before the end of your shift, you're thinking, I hope this goes well.
2: (laughs) And when Officer Prince arrives at the prison gate, he's taken by surprise when he learns nurse Tammy Watts has been murdered there was a couple of guards, they pointed towards the basement and said, she's down there. And once Prince gets a look inside the clinic, his eyes quickly move to Tammy's half-naked body on the floor, spread eagle, next to a dental exam chair. My thought was that this involved sexual assault. She had a coat
6: on, her shirt had been pulled up over her head, as well as her brassiere.
2: And when Prince takes a closer look, it seems Tammy took quite a beating. He also notices that a cord is wrapped tightly around her neck. Sure seems like someone was mighty mad at Tammy. Each time you go to a homicide, it's it's a tough
6: call. These calls stick with you, and particularly this one. It's uh, one that you
2: remember. With a staff of 50 and close to 170 prisoners on the sprawling compound, just about anyone could have killed Tammy. So the quick-thinking officer locks down the prison, determined to corner the killer. And Officer Prince knows exactly who he needs to call to get the job done. There's no investigator at the Riverton PD who dives deeper into a case than Lieutenant Chuck Carr. In fact, before he became a cop two decades ago, he thought he might be working underwater instead of undercover.
1: Yeah, I have a diploma in travel and tourism. Uh, I was into scuba diving, and I thought about maybe having my own scuba diving thing. And I met my wife, and things kinda changed, and I got an interest in law enforcement.
2: Lieutenant Carr is ready to plunge into the investigation, and he knows this case won't be a day at the beach.
1: So just the amount of area we had to look at, the amount of people, all of those things combined, it was a huge task, overwhelming actually.
2: But when he gets a glimpse of the crime scene, he notices Tammy's purse is wedged under her body. Seems like she didn't have a second to savor her morning cup of joe.
1: Most people would come in and they would take the jacket off and hang it up and put her purse down, and that didn't happen. So that would tell us that uh, it happened immediately once she got in that office.
2: And because Tammy's face was covered by her attacker, police feel this wasn't some random act of violence. Chances are Tammy's killer was someone who couldn't stomach seeing her dead, someone who probably knew her every move.
1: She went in and there is a guard station upstairs where she checked out some keys. And then she went down another set of stairs that goes down into the basement.
2: Because Tammy was the first to sign out the clinic's keys that morning, the chances of her killer being a staff member are slim to none. And whoever had it in for Tammy had her trapped like a calf in a branding chute.
1: The door shut behind her. It had a spring where it would stay open for a short time, and then it would slam shut. Somebody followed her directly in behind the door before it shut.
2: But it's a hunch that may just open doors for investigators. Carr's team combs the scene for clues to the killer's identity and sends Tammy's body to the medical examiner. This detective knows that if the killer left something behind, the crime lab will surely find it. When the terrible news reaches Tammy's mother, Linda, it hits her hard.
5: I think that was the worst thing anyone could ever hear. From that point, I pretty well lost it.
2: But she manages to push her grief aside and offers police a bit of information that may just aid the investigation. Turns out someone behind the prison walls had a mighty big crush on Tammy and recently let his feelings known in a string of love letters.
5: I asked her if they were threatening and she said no, and I said, are they sexual? And she says, yeah. She says, they're really bad.
2: When detectives hear about the love-struck wordsmith, they know they have to find him ASAP.
5: The police told me that they had suspects that were definitely in lockdown.
2: And one of these inmates has been seeing the nurse at an alarming rate, prisoner Floyd Grady.
1: It was a lot, more than you and I would go seek medical attention unless we had something very seriously wrong with us. And
2: investigators believe the prison's sickest inmate might give them the perfect prescription for solving the case. It's lunchtime in Riverton, Wyoming. But after beloved prison nurse Tammy Watts is found murdered, all anyone's hungry for is news. And editor Steve Peck of the Riverton Ranger is serving it up hotter than usual. The cliche
6: from the outside is that we're Mayberry and there are tumbleweeds blowing through the street. And when the 4-H Club or the Dill Pickle Club meets, that becomes front page news. And sometimes
2: it is. But now, Steve has a front-page story that has everybody in town reading all about it. Here you had someone who committed a homicide, and
6: we never had reason to believe that that could happen
2: here. But in the lockdown facility, the inside scoop is all about convicted sex offender Floyd Grady.
1: He was in for a sexual assault that occurred in another part of Wyoming in 1994. I think he was sentenced to... uh, 10 to 30 years on that.
2: And from the look of the clinic's appointment book, this lovelorn prisoner was ailing for Tammy's TLC.
1: He was down there numerous times within the two weeks prior to the murder, eight or ten times, something like that. It was a lot.
2: Either Grady is a hypochondriac, or he really is smitten with Tammy. Police wonder if Tammy's frequent visitor is behind the threatening letters she told her mom about. Did this convicted sex offender take his obsession to the next level by raping and murdering Tammy?
1: It is not unusual for someone who's been convicted of sexual crime to re-offend doing that same crime.
2: And if Grady is capable of raping and beating a 16-year-old girl, surely he had it in him to do the same to Tammy. So police take a stroll to Grady's quarters to get his side of the story. When Lieutenant Carr first lays eyes on Grady, he doesn't look exactly like a menacing murderer.
1: He's a guy probably an average build, average size, glasses, has a lot of tattoos. He was courteous, but kind of nervous.
2: Grady seems surprised by the visit. But when police sit him down, he immediately says he had nothing to do with Tammy's murder and that he and the nurse were just friends. But Lieutenant Carr wonders if Grady recently blew a kind gesture from Tammy out of proportion.
1: It was his birthday and he had mentioned it and said something about nobody ever bakes him a cake and she did bring him a cake for his birthday.
2: Did Floyd think Tammy's treat had deeper meaning and start sending her the raunchy love letters? Detectives hope to find out. But just when they start peppering him with questions, he shuts down.
1: I started pressing him a little, and he asked for an attorney. So it was a very short interview.
2: Typically, when a suspect lawyers up, it usually raises eyebrows. But in Grady's case, it makes sense. Seems the sex offender is about to finish his hitch. And he's playing it safe until he becomes a free man.
1: He had actually been paroled and I believe going to Indiana or Pennsylvania, and he was gonna live with his dad, but his dad lived too close to schools and churches. So he was basically there until father's residence could be moved.
2: With one suspect questioned and 170 to go, police lawyer up themselves. With Legal Eagle, Kathy Kavanaugh. And she really knows her way around a courtroom.
0: I've been a prosecutor since I graduated from law school. Roughly practiced for 15 years in the Chicago area.
2: With a wealth of experience, Kathy looks to tame the investigation once and for all. And this hard-hitting attorney knows exactly where to begin, at the medical examiner's office. The coroner confirms what police suspected. Tammy was beaten and strangled to death. But what the report says next is truly a page-turner.
0: The autopsy did not find any signs of sexual assault. It's possible that perhaps the offender heard something outside and was interrupted and decided it was time to leave, or perhaps the offender couldn't follow through. But who's the man with the jitters? With prisoners in
2: and out of the clinic all day long, Tammy's killer could be just about anybody. Without any physical evidence, police will have to rely on finger pointing. And the second person inmates point to is cock of the walk, convicted felon, Zach Brennan. A con with enough size and strength to subdue just about anyone, let alone tiny Tammy.
0: This suspect was a bodybuilder, and he spent a lot of time challenging other people and asserting his dominance.
2: And this burly bruiser is serving a lick for murder. When investigators learn how he did the dirty deed,
0: it's similar to what happened to Tammy down at the farm. He had a temper, and he was in prison for beating a man to death. So he had a history of violence. He was a scary guy.
2: And Tammy's co-workers say she recently came face to face with Zach's temper. Just a month before her murder, he had a tantrum in the medical unit.
1: He was told to quit lifting weights by the doctor on staff. And Tammy was present. And he became very upset, kind of went after the doctor. And I think Tammy got between him and the doctor.
2: And soon after the incident, the nurse drops a weight even Brennan can't lift. She immediately reports him to the higher-ups, a move that could change his life for the
0: worse. You could look at being moved to either a medium level security facility or potentially a high level security facility. And inmates don't want to leave the honor farm because There is so much freedom.
2: A freedom Brennan's buddies say he might kill for.
0: He was overheard the night before making comments about what he was going to do about the potential write-ups, and in particular, what would happen if Tammy Watts wrote him up.
2: Perhaps after a good night's sleep, Zach Brennan decided to put Tammy to rest for good. The inmate rises to the top of the suspect list faster than a ranch hand roping cattle. When police find the larger than life lifer in his prison dorm, he acts like a punk when they start to
0: question him. He doesn't like law enforcement. He certainly did not want to cooperate or assist investigation in any way. When police ask
2: the knucklehead about his whereabouts on the morning of the murder, he claims he was in bed because he overslept. But since Brennan's roommate
0: was out and about that morning, the Iron Man's alibi doesn't carry any weight. In essence, he didn't have an alibi that was confirmed. They've got a likely suspect with a soft alibi.
2: But without any evidence, they've got to move on. In a prison full of convicts, it would be easy for a murderer to slip into the crowd unnoticed.
1: We were just trying to be thorough and talk to the people we were getting information on first and the people that were in that general proximity. We wanted to be very thorough with that amount of people and make sure we didn't miss anybody.
2: But police get some timely help from the prison staff to make sure everyone is accounted for. All prisoners at the Honor Farm keep a full-time job during their stay and hours are recorded in work logs. Seems one con didn't report to the chain gang on the
0: morning of the murder. Inmate, Alex Vega. Somebody raised an issue regarding Mr. Vega as to whether or not he was ever on the bus to go to the mushroom farm.
2: And chances are he didn't miss work because of a broken alarm clock. Something about Alex Vega's skip trip to the mushroom farm stinks. But will it put police on the scent of their killer? It's springtime in Riverton, and the rivers are running wild throughout the countryside. But just two days after Tammy Watts's murder, the town is still drowning in grief. And no one is hurting more than Tammy's mom, Linda.
5: If a person can't be safe in a prison where security guards are, then how can the community feel safe if they couldn't even keep a nurse safe?
2: But Lieutenant Chuck Carr may be on the verge of making everyone feel a whole lot more secure. He zeroed in on another suspect in the joint, absentee worker Alex Vega, who's doing time for sexual assault. And since Tammy was found stripped of her clothing and was likely sexually assaulted, they think Vega fits the profile.
1: Where you're digging in like that and talking to so many people, you gotta think, wow, this is a possibility here.
2: But with a huge to-do list ahead of him, Carr will need all hands on deck to help him dig up the dirt on Vega. Good thing rookie Julie Matthews like mopping up bad guys.
4: This case was the first homicide uh, that I experienced as a street officer, because I'm the rookie. I wanted to find something. I, I wanted to be the one to say, hey, look, you know, I got it.
2: This star student is determined to ace her first big test. When she hears the rumors from Lieutenant Carr about Alex Vega missing work at the mushroom farm,
4: She, too, thinks something stinks. That was their way to get out of the prison, to show up for those work assignments. So when you didn't show up for it, it sure would raise a lot of questions as to where you are and why are you not there. Word around the prison is that Vega called
2: in sick that morning.
4: Well, what better than the medical office to have this type of incident take place and have this inmate report that he is sick and not report for his scheduled assignment? So that made him very suspect.
2: And there's something else that may link him to the crime. Turns out, Alex had a tiff
0: with Tammy just two weeks earlier. Tammy Watts made statements to family members and co-workers that she was afraid of someone. She apparently gave a description of that inmate that she was afraid of, and that description was similar to Mr. Vega.
2: Prosecutor Kavanaugh's heard talk that could explain why Tammy was scared. Seems she caught Alex trying to swipe some pills from the medical unit. And she may have
0: staged a one-woman intervention. The medication would have been stolen from the office, probably during a visit where he shouldn't have been.
1: Maybe she said it needs to stop or I'm going to the administration and you'll be out of here. That would be the first thing that would come to my mind, that maybe she caught him doing it. And
2: maybe Tammy's dose of tough love was a hard pill to swallow. Because Alex's fellow inmates claim he delivered a menacing message to her.
0: Investigators were told that Mr. Vega was angry at her, and he had made some kind of threat to her about how you better not let me catch you alone.
2: So police jump on Vega like he's a bucking bronco. When they search his dorm, Vega acts like he's hiding some incriminating paraphernalia. And it's not homemade booze
0: brewing in the commode. They searched his sleeping area and During the course of that search, they recovered some drugs, some medicine. Police don't need a consultation from a pharmacist to know Alex Vega didn't have a
2: prescription for these drugs.
0: Packs of medicine would not be distributed to inmates. Even to get an aspirin, they have to go to the nurse's office, and they are doled out one by one. So obviously, he should not have been in possession of those packs.
2: But when police question this pill-popping prisoner, They aren't sure if he's on something or playing dumb. He says he doesn't know where the drugs came from and claims he had nothing to do with Tammy's murder.
0: But Kathy's not buying it. He was quite, quite capable of of committing this act.
2: And since Vega seems like the guy who did in Tammy, investigators press him more about where he was that day. And he insists that he went to work. When police check
0: prison records, it appears he's telling the truth. Somebody raised an issue as to whether or not he was ever on the bus to go to the mushroom farm. And as far as I know, there was no indication that he hadn't gotten on the bus. Looks like Alex made it to his bus seat after all.
2: But he isn't off the hot seat yet. There's always the chance someone did the crime for him.
4: He's held on the back burner under a very hot flame. He wasn't completely cleared
2: yet. Frustrated that there's no way to hook drug addict Alex to Tammy's murder, prosecutor Kathy Kavanaugh steals off to pursue her own addiction.
0: I started riding as a kid, and um, once you get hooked on horses, especially if you're a young girl, it's pretty hard to get unhooked.
2: And that explains why Kathy left Chicago to make Wyoming her home on the range.
5: When I'm
0: out on the trails, I don't think about the job at all. That's my way of completely unwinding. They're such kind, noble animals. They give me peace. I don't even have to ride them. As long as I'm around them, they can bring that to me. With the investigation
2: becoming a long and winding trail itself, Kathy decides to ride in another direction. Police look to wrangle any bad guys who were near the clinic that fateful morning, and they find one who was right next door, in George Ryland.
1: Ryland was in the laundry room, working at the time the murder occurred, approximately 50, 60 feet from where the victim was killed.
2: And if he had a motive for wanting to rub Tammy out, it would have been as easy as spraying on some pre-wash spot remover.
4: It was his job to be there every day at that time. So he probably did have a good idea of when she came and when she went.
2: So maybe the clothes cleaning con got down and dirty by killing Tammy Watts. <laughs> but will police take the laundry man to the cleaners or will their efforts be awash? Several suns have set in Riverton, Wyoming since the ruthless killing of Tammy Watts. And it looks like this Western isn't going to have a quick Hollywood ending. And no one is more eager for the credits to roll than Tammy's oldest son, Dusty Watts.
6: I was hoping it was going to be done and over with, you know, and know exactly who it was and have him locked up.
2: But all hope is not lost just yet. Investigators have a bead on an aging inmate named George Ryland, a career criminal with sexual assault on the top of his resume. Now, Lieutenant Chuck Carr wants to know if he decided to take out his urge on Tammy and made studying her part of his job description at the laundromat.
1: He's assigned laundry right next to the medical area. He can be there without drawing any suspicion to himself. Police wonder if
2: the first task on Ryland's schedule that morning was to pay Tammy a visit before she opened up shop at 6 on the dot. After all, according to his work schedule, he was already up to his elbows in suds and on the clock, ready to pounce on Tammy the second she arrived at the doctor's office next door.
0: If somebody has a set schedule, it does make him an easier target. Those are all things that become predictable to someone who potentially might be stalking you.
2: When detectives catch up with Ryland in person, they're surprised he looks so long in the tooth.
1: Ryland was a tall, thin man, very long beard, kind of similar to what the rock group ZZ Top has, and that gave him that kind of elderly appearance.
2: But police don't pass judgment, and they have a feeling he had plenty of strength left to take Tammy to the cleaners.
1: She probably weighed 130 pounds, and I I think Rylan may have weighed 160, 170. Bigger, probably stronger. I mean, I, I think to work in the laundry, you gotta be somewhat strong.
2: Sounds like it's time for investigators to press this convict for answers. And this cycle of questioning isn't set on delicates. To everyone's surprise, this grizzly inmate readily admits to seeing Tammy when he stepped
0: outside for a smoke break. The suspect from the laundry room did state that he observed Miss um, Watts park her car, He spoke to her briefly, and she then went in.
2: And that's the first and only time Ryland says he laid eyes on Tammy that day. He goes on to say he didn't even know about her murder until the prison went on lockdown an hour later. But with the laundry room and medical ward separated by only a few feet, surely even this geezer heard Tammy being attacked.
1: There had to be noise. If somebody was nearby, they probably would have heard it.
2: And if Ryland did do it, this is one guy who could easily wash away any evidence of wrongdoing.
4: Whomever did this had to have had some blood evidence on them. So Ryland would have had the ability to take his clothes off, throw them in a wash machine. hurt new inmate attire on. And we'd have never known because it's already been rolled around in a washing machine.
2: But when detectives look for the bloody threads in the laundry room, their search comes up clean. So they hightail it to his room, just in case he stashed his duds there.
1: We were unable to find anything that directly linked Rylan to the murder of Tammy Watts.
2: But just in case Ryland's hanging police out to dry they keep a close eye on him. With 170 inmates to choose from, investigators thought by now they'd have pinned Tammy's murder on someone already. But four days after she turned up dead, Officer Julie Matthews still has no answers for Tammy's family.
4: It is tough. It becomes a personal thing. It's a small community. We know these people.
2: And just when Julie feels like things are coming apart at the seams, she stitches them back together with a hobby designed to celebrate her own daughter's crowning achievement.
4: My daughter was the Riverton Rendezvous rodeo queen. At that time, I didn't have the money to buy these fancy show shirts. So this cash-cautious mom
2: pulls herself up by her bootstraps and solves the problem.
4: I went out to a local craft store and I bought uh, rhinestones and a glue gun. I would buy just a plain western shirt. I'd glue these shiny little rhinestones on so that she would sparkle when she would ride by. I didn't want her to be anything less. I wanted her to know she was special.
2: Like Julie's special homemade rodeo shirts, she brings her creative thinking to the Riverton Police Department. And when the cops are desperate to pin down a suspect, they decide to expand their search to
0: uncharted areas, the prison trash room. They initiated a garbage search. Before that, garbage was ever sent to the dump. Um, Because once that happens, it's really a shot in the dark. Investigators hope all this trash picking pays off. But there's no
2: guarantee.
4: We're sifting through everything in every sack. There was food items, there was food containers, combs, whatever you throw in the trash.
2: Just when detectives can't bear the stench any longer, one of them opens up a bag of goodies. Inside?
4: in that sack was a letter, a handwritten letter, um, to Tammy. It was not signed.
2: Looks like rumors that Tammy had a secret admirer just might be true after all. But is this ghostwriter also the man who penned her tragic ending? Or perhaps it was another animal on the farm, the inmate who lawyered up, the prison yard bully, the pill popper, the old timer, or someone else? Everybody's a suspect.
4: They were there. They were on the grounds within the vicinity, so it was quite a race to find out who was where and when in in close proximity of that incident.
2: A hair-raising discovery at the bottom of the bag just might reveal the answer.
0: There was the beginnings of a letter found in the bag along with the laundry slip. And along with those slips, identifying him by name was pubic hair, shaved pubic hair.
2: A week after Tammy Watts' murder, police may finally have the name of her killer in their midst. A laundry slip found inside a trash bag full of potential evidence tells investigators everything they need to know.
0: Slips that he himself had thrown out that had his name on it. It wasn't difficult to prove. Looks like the discarded goods
2: belong to good old suspect number one, Floyd Grady. Despite his earlier denials, an unsigned crumpled letter to Tammy shows he was probably sending her sweet nothings all along. But it's the shavings found with the letters that raises the hair on detectives' necks.
4: We went through bags of garbage from uh, hundreds of other inmates and there's no pubic hair in theirs. Why is it in this bag?
2: When police take a closer look at Floyd's criminal history, one detail about the sexual assault that landed him in the big house teases out an important clue.
1: It's a pubic hair that sealed the case on him and in, in his previous conviction.
2: Either Floyd's taken a liking to manscaping or he was planning to commit another rape. Determined not to leave evidence behind this time, he gives himself a quick trim.
0: He premeditated it based upon the fact that he shaved his pubic hair. So clearly he put a certain amount of forethought into this. With the evidence seemingly in the bag,
2: Police want another one-on-one with Floyd. And this time, the clean-shaven criminal has plenty to say. He readily admits to seeing Tammy earlier that fateful morning, for a hookup, but insists he would never hurt a hair on Tammy's head. After all, she was supposedly his secret girlfriend.
1: He wanted us to know that him and Tammy had been having a relationship for approximately one and a half to two months. It had become sexual, like foreplay. I believe he was grading his alibi.
2: Grady may be able to explain away the letters, but detectives doubt he can completely cover his tracks. Sure enough, when they ask him to strip down to his birthday suit, they know they've caught him with his pants down. He's bare as a baby's bottom.
1: He told us I shaved his pubic hair because it smelled.
2: Lieutenant Carr thinks that's nothing but a dirty lie. He's sure Grady's good for the crime, but still needs concrete proof. Lucky for him, an inmate comes forward with some telling information. On the morning of the murder, Grady was acting mighty peculiar during a stroll around the prison yard.
0: He appeared to be pale and, and sweaty. They commented to Grady, hey, I think you've got a bloody nose. And Grady kind of grabbed his nose, looked at it, and just hurried away. It's too strange
2: of a coincidence to ignore. So police asked the informant what Grady was wearing, hoping to find some dirt on his duds.
4: And this particular inmate relayed the fact that he had a blue nylon jacket that he was wearing, which led investigators later to find and seize that jacket from Grady's room.
2: And when police send the jacket to the crime lab, they get the answers they need to zip up the case.
1: The blue jacket had the victim's DNA on the jacket.
0: The physical evidence in this case was just overwhelming. And
2: on May 10th, 2006, two years after Tammy's murder, a jury sentenced Grady to life in prison without the possibility of parole. As the jail door slams on the killer, Tammy's family feels a little freer.
5: When I heard the guilty verdict, it was like an iron taken off my chest. I was so, so relieved.
2: But one question still remains. What happened on that Thursday morning? Prosecutor Kathy Kavanaugh thinks it all started with Grady's
0: steamy letters. I think Tammy knew certainly who they were coming from, and she had plans to talk to the warden about it.
2: But before Tammy can spill the beans, Grady decides to take out his frustrations.
0: He slipped in behind her as she got into the office and then he attacked her. And that's when he takes his obsession to a whole new level. He started taking her clothes off. But Grady gets spooked before he's able to finish the sexual assault. He wrapped the electrical cord around her neck and ultimately strangled her. Grady flies the coop before anyone could identify
2: him never knowing Tammy's blood is on his clothes.
1: Their kids aren't gonna see her again. Her parents aren't gonna see her again. So we want that closure for that family. And so it doesn't happen to somebody else.
2: Now the folks of Riverton, Wyoming can walk peacefully into the sunset again,
0: knowing lawmen
2: have rounded up this outlaw.
0: Tammy tried to be kind to inmates and she ended up dead on the floor at her job. And it's, it's one of those reminders that we have to be cautious. While Tammy's life was cut short, her memory lives
2: on.
5: There's never, never an end where I don't think of Tammy. There's not a day go by that Tammy isn't on my mind. There's a plaque outside on the wall dedicated to Tammy Watts. It contains her
0: picture. I walk by that every day and I see her picture and I think of her.